Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but as Christmas comes upon us, I realize I know all the words to Baby It's Cold Outside and secretly love it, even though it contains the line, say what's in this drink. It's a really good song, objectively. Is the content excellent? No. I'm a feminist, but when I recently appeared on Celebrity Mastermind for Charity, I spent more time researching the dress I would wear online than the general knowledge. And it really shows, because I get a lot wrong, but I look good doing it. I'm a feminist, but I spent a good 20 minutes yesterday reading an article saying that Baby It's Cold Outside is really an act against the patriarchy because the woman clearly wants to stay despite her paternalistic family's demands on her sexuality. It was highly convincing. I suggest you all read it. Apparently it was about a time when values were different and she wanted to stay and she felt she couldn't say that herself because she didn't have her own agency because of the bad patriarchy. So she is fighting the patriarchy like Luke Skywalker is fighting the dark side, (laughs) saying, oh, but my father's going to be so angry, but I want to be here with you because I'm a sexually active woman and there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) I found it convincing. I think you should all read it. I'm a feminist... But when I was recently home in Ireland for a chat show appearance, where I received exceptional hair and makeup, I spent the rest of the evening in pubs in Cork hoping to bump into any ex. (laughs) Any Uh, ex. God, the thing is now, Facebook makes that easier because you could see whether if anyone's checked in anywhere or anyone's sort of accepted an invitation to a party. I didn't go that far. I, if you'd been with me, that's what we would have been doing, going, where is he? Is there any clues as to where this man could be? That's probably more of an insight into my mind than I should have really revealed. I am a feminist, but my favourite Christmas karaoke number is Santa Baby. If I were in a foreign country where no one knew me, 
I would happily do it with the baby voice. (laughs) Could we do a feminist version? Like Santa Baby, being an awful good feminist this year. It just doesn't flow, does it? It doesn't doesn't flow flow in the same way. No, sure. Put Maya Angelou's works in my stocking, that kind of thing. I mean, with... We shouldn't bring her name into it. We shouldn't besmirch her name with Santa Baby. But I feel like she had a really good sense of humour, and if she were here, she'd sing it with me. Let's speak for her by all means. (laughs) You go. I'm a feminist, but when I was home in Ireland and in Cork recently, I did eventually bump into an ex. I was wearing no makeup at this point. He was an ex who had behaved very badly a number of years ago. And he uh, said, hello, Jess. And instead of me tersely saying, Declan, and walking away like Meryl Streep in The Devil Wears Prada, I went, oh my God, hello, how are you? Oh my God, happy Christmas. Like, are you keeping well? Oh my God, it's so nice to see you. And I hugged him like he was an old friend because I didn't want him to feel awkward for how he treated me 15 years ago. I know. (laughs) They're confessions. (laughs) Live from King's Place in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Premise. With me, Deborah Francis White, Jessica host Jessica Regan, and very special guest, Sam Bain, talking about more than Wonder Woman. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. So Jessica Regan, have you had a guilty week or a feminist week? In theory, a feminist week. In practice, probably quite guilty. Uh, uh, Just give us a cheer if you've had a guilty week. (laughs) Feminist week. (laughs) Oh, some people didn't cheer for either. (laughs) A 50-50 week. Well, maybe they're they're like me. They're like... Oh, women are so indecisive. (laughs) Why can't they make up their lady minds? (laughs) So, Jessica Regan, you are an actor. I am, yeah. And recently you did a BBC Two programme, probably the only show in the last year that I've watched, where I was actually shouting at the television and going, no, no. I was shouted no at the television a lot. It was exciting. I, I had never seen you react that much to something I was like um I'm sitting right here so you know that I'm okay you know yeah 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 (laughs) I'm I'm beside you you know it was extraordinary it's a comedy drama it's written by Sam Bain you'll know him from a peep show that he wrote with Jesse Armstrong and also uh Fresh Meat and he wrote this show for those of you who haven't seen it um it's on in America at the moment actually on Showtime I know right um (laughs) it's about three very close friends one of whom gets diagnosed with a very curable treatable form of cancer he decides to eschew any uh conventional medical treatment in favor of holistic heavily inverted commas natural remedies Myself and the other character decide that this is terrible. What can we do? And uh, we kidnap him and forcefully administer chemotherapy to him while he's chained in a basement. And it's a comedy. It's it's very controversial. It's controversial for all sorts of reasons that you can imagine about imposing your will, lack of consent, contemporary uh, medicine, alternative medicine, all of those things. But the reason we're talking about it tonight is that Jess Regan's character was originally called Tim. Yes, I did a reading of the script. I was asked to do a reading when I was being somewhat 
fooled into believing that the parts had all been cast. So I went to this reading, extremely relaxed, going, you're welcome. When in fact, actually, they hadn't cast my part to test. Well, Sam didn't tell me that, so that I would be very calm, which was the right thing to do. But I said to him afterwards, I did that classic thing where I said, how do you write so well for women? And he said, I wrote a man and I changed the name. And I found it extraordinary because there were conversations that Tess had, as outlandish as it seems, it actually deals with themes that we all encounter, friendship and unrequited love and all things that are very familiar to all of us. There's a conversation in the script that I've literally had with a friend, you know, and to me, I really fell in love with her reading it because I was like, oh, I just, I get this. I know who this person is. And it's quite rare. I felt like our female characters, they weren't like one thing and the other. They had as much nuance and complexity as the male characters. And I read a lot of scripts and that's not always the case. It's rarely the case. So that just kind of blew my mind that he wrote a person and just changed the name. And more of that could happen because often female characters are written by men as sort of other people. So what a really exciting thing to do, to just write a man and change the name and let a woman play that part. And Uh, see what happens. Yeah, and see what happens. Because we're all people. Exactly, exactly, because we're all people. It's really easy for us to advocate for the sort of representation we are. So if we're a writer and we're not disabled, it's really easy just not to write for disabled people and we think, oh, that's too difficult. I don't know, I might get it wrong. I just won't do it. Or we don't see it, we just forget about it and we're advocating for ourselves. So it's really, really important if we are writers to go, are there any gay characters in this? Are all the characters very gender binary? If you're a white writer, write for people of colour. If you're a person of colour, don't worry about writing for white people because there's enough parts. And it's the same if you're a male writer. Don't concern yourself, it's got to have 50% men in it. It doesn't. Everything's got 90% men in it. Don't worry about that. Advocate, advocate, advocate. And there are all sorts of different ways in which we can represent. And it doesn't just always have to be women fighting for women and disabled people fighting for disabled people. Some women are disabled people. Some disabled people are women. And so we need to think more broadly about queer characters, all sorts of characters. Um, So I just wanted to say that at the outset and at the top. Please welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. So tonight we're talking about more than Wonder Woman. I've been thinking about this because last night my husband said to me, do you want to watch this documentary with me about Jim Carrey playing Andy Kaufman in The Man on the Moon? Because apparently he stayed in character the whole time and apparently really disturbed the set. If you don't know who Andy Kaufman is, he was a very, very subversive comedian that did very off-the-wall things and disturbed people, but people thought he was absolutely genius. And then he died, and then some years later, Jim Carrey inhabited him to play this movie and sort of put him on like a mask and lived as him for this period. And Tom said, do you want to see this doc? And I said, God, I'm 100% in. I'm so excited. And as I was watching it, I just thought... (sighs) (laughs) We do spend a lot of time bathing in the milk of toxic masculinity, don't we? (laughs) Like Andy Kaufman was a cock... He was a cock. He used to come in and make everybody else's life miserable. Does anyone know the sitcom Taxi? It was like a Friends of its day. And they hired Andy Kaufman to play a character called Latka. He came in and just every day made the set unbearable. And everyone went, well, he's a genius. Is he? Is he a genius, though? Is he? And I'm not saying he isn't. I'm sort of saying he isn't. (laughs) But 
some people would disagree with that, and that's absolutely fine. Art is absolutely uh, subjective, and I do see that he was subverting stuff. But he was also behaving like an utter cock 99% of the time and making other people feel uncomfortable. If a woman did that on a sitcom set, you would never have heard of her. Do you know why? She'd be fired within 27 minutes. And women don't get called geniuses when they tip water over people's heads. He had another character called... Tony something. What was Tony something's Tony name? Clifton. Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton. And he was a bigger jerk. And so he'd come in. And both Andy Kaufman, by the way, Andy Kaufman started wrestling women and then saying loads of misogynistic things about how they should be in the kitchen to stir up the crowd. And I don't think he probably even meant it. But it was something he was doing that was subversive, was to shout misogynistic stuff at a time when the women's movement was on the rise. Then Tony Clifton was really horrible. Like, he hit on women. He was gross. And I'm like, I get Tony Clifton as the dark side of Andy Kaufman. Kaufman, if Andy Kaufman had not himself been such a cock. It was just cock, bigger cock. That's not the other side of someone. That's just the worst side of the same side. I genuinely, and I was just looking at it going, now we've got to have a movie about this guy who was a cock, and then a movie about the movie of the guy who was a cock, while the other guy pretended to be as big a cock as this guy throughout the whole movie and made the film set untenable. Like, the director was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I didn't know he was going to do this the whole time. Everybody was having a nightmare with him. He was genuinely winding up this professional wrestler up until the point where he put him in traction and he had to go to the hospital. Um, What? And I get it. Okay, it's an examination of toxic masculinity, blah, 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 blah. But it's not really. It's an examination of a self-destructive individual because we all seem to be, the whole of society seems to be mesmerized by straight white men who are so indulgent about their own desire to disturb a system designed entirely by and for them. (laughs) Fuck off. What are you supporting? Let me shake up this snow globe that I entirely own. (laughs) And while I'm shaking it up, maybe I'm going to say some super sexist things. But look, that's shaking things up. Is it shaking things up or is it just endorsing what's already there? How much of a genius are you if you think that misogyny is a subversive act? So when I started thinking about why there aren't more representations of women... So, for example, they've relaunched a very, very good play, Glengarry Glen Ross, in the West End at the moment. Very good play. And I love that play. It's a very brilliant play. And it is, again, an examination of toxic masculinity. But it's just like, at a time when the world is being motored by toxic masculinity... Is the answer to explore it furthermore and just sort of look so far into its navel that you can't see anything else? Or maybe the answer is to sort of bathe the world in other qualities. And if you are going to put on Glengarry and Ross, and listen, again, I'm not criticizing anyone in the production or the production. I'm sure it's brilliant. I'm sure the cast are brilliant. I don't blame anybody for for taking the role. But... Say the Alec Baldwin character. Does everyone know Glengarry and Ross? David Mamet play slash film about salesmen. And it's just blokes, 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 men, 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 guys. Um, The Alec Baldwin character is particularly... uh, He's like the walking embodiment of toxic masculinity. And I honestly think casting directors could think more out the box. They could say, okay, we're going to put this on. What about having Tamsin Grieg play that character? What about doing that flip that uh, Sam Bain did in Ill Behaviour? What about having Sarah Lancashire play that role? And I think the reason they don't is they don't trust women, really. They think, well, a woman's going to play that womanly, isn't she? I was talking to a lead singer of a band the other day, and she said, look at the whole band. It was like a 12-piece band. She said, the whole band 
is all male. I'm the only woman. And she said, honestly, it really is. It's not even unconscious bias, it's conscious bias. She said, they say things like, well, women's arms aren't strong enough for the drums. <laughs> she said, they genuinely say that. All women don't have the pipes for the saxophone. They don't have the lung capacity. Are they thinking of children? <laughs> Are they thinking of four-year-olds? I think they're thinking of children. We can definitely do drumsticks. I mean, I'm sort of like... I'm not the strongest person in the gym, but I could definitely lift drumsticks. <laughs> Repeatedly, I could do that. No, I don't know. Blowing into a saxophone. Fuck the fuck off. Um, and I genuinely think the reason why they don't let women play these huge characters very often. There's more gender-blind casting now than they used to be. But the reason mostly they don't do it is I think most casting directors and directors and producers think that a lady person would deliver that famous Alec Baldwin speech in Glengarry Glen Ross of the guy who's come down from head office to read them the riot act. Something like this. <clears throat> Let me have your attention for a moment. <laughs> so, so you're, sorry, you're talking about what? Uh, you're talking about uh, bitching about uh, that sale you shot. Um, some uh, son of a bitch that doesn't want to buy. <laughs> Somebody that doesn't want to sell what you're selling. Uh, some broad you're trying to screw. <laughs> a bit rude. And so forth. <laughs> Let's talk about something important. Uh, are they, are they all here? Well, I've got to go anyway. Um, let's talk about something important. Uh, uh, oh, pop, pop that coffee down, will you? Uh, coffee is for closers. <laughs> closers only. <laughs> do, sorry, do you think I'm fucking with you? <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not fucking with you. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm here from downtown. I, I'm here from Mitch and Murray. Um, uh, I'm here, and I'm here on a mission of mercy. Um, uh, your name's Levine. Uh, yeah, you, you, you call yourself a salesman, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> you certainly don't, pal, because uh, the good news is you're fired. <laughs> the bad news is you've got, um, all, all of you have got just one week to regain your job starting tonight. Starting with tonight's sit. Um, oh, have I got your attention now? Good. Because <laughs> uh, we're adding a little something to this month's sale contest. As you all know, first prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Uh, anyone want to see the second prize? Uh, second prize is a set of steak knives. Uh, third prize is you're fired. <laughs> you get the picture. You're laughing now. Uh, you've got leads. Uh, yeah, Mitch and Murray paid good money for those leads. Um, you can't close the leads you're given. Uh, you can't close shit. You are shit. Uh, hit the bricks, pal, and beat it, because you're going out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you say what's my name? Fuck you, that's my name. It's not, it's not really, it's Tracy. Um, <laughs> you hear me? You fucking homophobic slur? <laughs> A, B, C. A, always. B, B, C, closing. Always B, closing. <laughs> you see this watch? That watch cost more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much did you make? I'm genuinely interested. <laughs> you think this is abuse? You think this is abuse, you homophobic slur? <laughs> These are the leads. These are the Glengarry leads. And to you, they're gold. And you don't get them. Because to give them to you is just throwing it away. 
there for closers. I'd wish you good luck, but you wouldn't know what to do with it if you got it. I came here because Mitch and Murray asked me to. They asked me for a favour. I said the real favour is follow my advice and fire your fucking ass. Because a loser is a loser. Thank you. I think I got more into the spirit of it at the end. It definitely changed. Uh, that meant a lot to hear you perform that because I had quite the ranty rant on Facebook, which, as we know, is how we change the world. Um, when I heard about Glengarry and Ross, and again, like, of course, you know, respect to the actors, and I actually hear it's very good, but I thought, really, this? Why? Why this story? Why are we telling this story? Because this mm. type of masculinity she's now actually kind of dated, so it's not even exploring something new, or it's not looking back to, like, the 20s, going, when did the seeds of this get sown? It's like... Oh, yeah. Mm. So it it's was just another play for men to rant about in and showboat in. They could have done an all-female version. It went down really well when they did that to Ghostbusters. <laughs> Today's guest is one of the minds behind some of the most iconic British television comedy of recent years, including Peep Show, Fresh Meat, and the new comedy drama from BBC Two, Ill Behaviour. Please welcome the wonderful Sam Bain! <laughs> So, Sam, can you tell us a little bit about why you had this character of Tim and you changed her to Tess in Ill Behaviour? Yeah, so I originally wrote it as Tim, as Jess correctly said. And actually, I have to thank a woman, Catherine Bray, my we friend Catherine. We are always happy to have a woman thanked on this show. Because I, I, Catherine is a brilliant uh, producer and critic and many other things, and she was working at Film 4, and I sent her the script, and she read it and said, thought it was great, but why can't Tim be Tess? And I was like, I didn't have a good answer to that, really. So I thought, yeah, okay, good, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. But, I mean, a lot of men would have resisted, I think, and they would have said, oh, no, it's about three guys and their relationship, and it's really important that they're men and that they, you know, they're blokes together, and it's more implausible that a woman would kidnap a man and force the chemotherapy on him. A lot of men would have fought for it. Yeah, I just thought it was a good idea that would make the character more interesting because he was originally written as kind of like a geek uh, and the character Tess is a geek, but I just thought that in a way we've seen a lot of guy geeks, female geeks who are maybe less represented, therefore more interesting. And in a way the question which was really interesting posed to me was why not? And, you know, I didn't have a good answer. It wasn't like he had to be a guy. And as soon as you make the character female, then all the outrageous things that he was doing, like kidnapping someone, become somehow funnier and sort of more transgressive if it's a woman doing it, even though I haven't actually thought of it as a woman, if you see what I mean. Mm. Just, just by casting a woman or making it a female character, seeing someone behave badly who's female somehow is funnier. It's less familiar, isn't That's it? That's interesting. Yeah, is, it, is it because we've just seen guys do so much? I think so. I think it's overkill. I think certainly in comedy, a lot of comedy comes from people behaving badly and doing the wrong thing and being outrageous. And usually the women are standing there going, oh, Mark. Yeah. It, oh, well, yeah, quite. Oh, you shouldn't do that. And I don't I've realised Mark is now in Peep Show and I just picked that wow. as a name. But actually, Olivia Colman's character in Peep Show is a wonderful character because she has her own... Dimension. The character, the Peep Show women, I think, are really good. I think they oh, are. They, ha, they are much more dimensional than 
lots of the characters that we do generally see in sitcoms. But it is true that women spoil the fun in sitcoms. Yeah, me and Jesse spotted this early in our career and we sort of identified this trope of the sensible woman. Mm. And we always sort of had that as a poster on our, over our desk, as it were, not to write that character ever. Not to write the sensible woman? No, because it's the most boring character ever written, right? That's great that you... Because that, that was quite a while ago that you started Peep Show. Yeah, How yeah. long ago was it? 2003. Yeah, I wasn't even a feminist then. <laughs> I don't reckon that many men in 2003 had a poster up above the computer saying, don't write the sensible woman. You were just aware, you just thought it was an uninteresting thing. Well, we'd seen a lot of sitcoms and we realised that this is something that annoyed us. And obviously it's not a good part for an actress to be the scold, to be the kind of frowny-faced, mm. boring woman. That's just a terrible part. So why waste screen time on that person? You know? I remember watching Peep Show and finding myself being able to relate more to Mark and Jez as humans than the female characters I was seeing depicted on screen. Like, I found their vulnerability and their insecurities and, you know, I found all that like, oh, hello, fellow humans, I identify that. Also, I love, like, how crazy Nancy was and, you know, um, how Olivia Colman's character really took a turn and, like, like, right? And, like, it it was just like, oh, yeah, great. Like, it it was fantastic. Yeah, what about Fresh Meat? The world had changed quite a lot by the time you came to write Fresh Meat. Did you think differently about that kind of casting? Well, we actually wrote that pilot before we wrote Peep Show. We wrote that in 1999, then it sat on a shelf because no one wanted to You must have been a student yourself then. Yeah, we weren't far off from uni. So you were the Fresh Meat characters, you and Jesse? Well, no, we made them up. They're fictional. Oh. (laughs) But if you had to pick one that you were, which one were you? Probably Oregon. (laughs) Uh, if you're listening internationally and you have not seen Fresh Meat, can you get it on Hulu or anything? Well, you should be able to. You should be I, able I to get it on so. Hulu. It's called Fresh Meat. It's a great show, but it's about students in their first year. The first series is about them in their first year at university. And Oregon turns up, and re- her real name's Melissa, and she reinvents herself for university, as many of us have done, and gives herself a cool name and pretends to be somebody she isn't. I feel like we're probably all Oregon for that whole of our lives, in a way. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. 
Definitely. We talked a bit on set, Sam, way back when we were filming. You said that you're finding it more interesting to write scenarios for women. It's kind of going back on the other point about yeah. the novelty factor. Could you talk a bit more about that? And like, yeah. what advice would you give to... There's a lot of male writers out there who would love to write the next Peep Show, who would love to emulate you. And seeing Gravity really was a big deal for me, actually. Because, so Gravity, if you haven't seen it, is Sandra Bullock in space, right? And it's a good film. It's not the best one for me, but I really enjoyed it. And... It was just like, okay, because she's a female astronaut, it's suddenly more interesting. Because we've seen so many guy spacemen. A space woman is just suddenly twice as interesting. And it didn't take anything in the plot that she didn't need to be a woman particularly. It was just more engaging. So I thought, well, it's actually a really easy trick in a way, if you want to call it that, to change the gender of a character and thereby make them more interesting. So yeah, I'm doing more and more writing... And I've done more and more in scripts what I did with your character, which is write a man and then switch the gender. I've done that a couple of times, and it's really worked out well. I think for me, the thing is, it's almost like male writers often lack confidence in writing women protagonists in particular, because you sort of feel, oh, I need to relate to this person, so I should write a guy, because that's what I know. It's not true, because ultimately, you can write any female or male character you want, the main thing is to engage with that character as a person first and as a gender-specific person second, if that makes sense. So the, when I change the gender of a character, it's a helpful way in because when I write that character as a male initially, I'm just writing a funny person. There's usually only 5% difference between what the woman and the man would do in the script and it just makes it twice as interesting because you haven't seen so many female characters do the things that they do in comedies. I think what you've said is really insightful in as much as a man is a person and a woman is a woman. And you see that all the time in cinema and in plays and on television. The man speaks for people. And we are so used to, as women, filtering our experience through male eyes. Charlotte Keatley was on the show not long ago and she said, a journalist asked her, what would be in My Mother Said I Never Should, a classic female play about women, specifically about women, for men. If I went to see Richard III, no one would ever say to me, what are you going to get out of that? Because you're going to be watching a man do something. It just seems a bit of a weird choice for you. Mm. It's like, what, what, are you going to watch that new George Clooney film? How are you going to relate to anything in it? Yeah, right. Because I just, no, no one expects for women to have things written for them. And if we do, we have to go and sit and watch them on our own. It's like, no, but that's for lady people. <laughs> and men could do a lot worse than to sit and watch some female fucking experiences. And most of the time, our experience, as you say, is just a human experience. We get the same problems in life and we have to come up against them and we have to do stuff about them. It's, it, I think there's a similarity with like colorblind casting when it comes to race, because I think in a way the most revolutionary thing you can do with that is just cast a black or minority ethnic person in a character that could be played by a white person. Because what you're saying is anyone can be anyone. It doesn't need to be a black person playing a black character or a female person playing a female character. Anyone could be anyone. And that, to me, is kind of inspiring. And that's the kind of thing I want to do more of. When you did Fresh Meat, did you think, God, we've got to cast some people of colour in it? Well, we because, did. Because Peep Show's quite white, isn't it? Yeah, we did think that, yes. But we didn't specify which character. Zowie Ashton, who's brilliant playing Vod, there were other actresses up for that part who were white. There were other actors up for other parts who were black. So it wasn't like we wrote that character as black. We just wanted some mix in there, because obviously with six characters at uni, that would be a bit weird if they're all white. But we weren't specific about which character. I mean, because actually more than one of them can be black as well. 
it's sometimes I do think we... In a, I, well, that's not, not technically not, true. I, you can't have more than one black character in six. That's impossible. Sam right. being sure. facetious. No, he's being I facetious. Do. Before he gets pulled limb from limb as he exits the building, he's very dry. <laughs> I am joking. One of the things I really appreciated about reading your script was there was nothing about Tess's appearance. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also the fact that she could be Irish. You know, you didn't mm. write her Irish, but she could be Irish. I've had scripts where they've written the character Irish, and it's horrible. <laughs> what is it? Hey, diddly dee, potato, potato, potato. Like, not <laughs> far off. We don't say, to be sure, after every line <laughs> I've not said it tonight except to illustrate a point. <laughs> Hello, Guilty Feminist. It's Deborah Francis White briefly interrupting your podcast listening to let you know that there are some shows coming up that you might want to come and see. We're heading back to Australia on Saturday, the 24th of February. We will be at the Royal Theatre Adelaide as part of the Adelaide Fringe Festival. So come and check us out in Adelaide on the 1st and 2nd of March. We will be at the Cooper's Malthouse, Melbourne. Hello, Melbourne. And we will be at the Sydney Opera House for two shows on the same day. Two shows on Sunday, 4th of March at the Sydney Opera House. Come and see us there. And we will be at the London Palladium for our 100th ever show in the West End on Thursday, the 24th of May. Some people were disappointed they missed out on the February Suffragette show. So there's another show at the London Palladium with Guardian Live. Get tickets now. For the 24th of May. There are other shows coming up in the UK and elsewhere, so watch out for those. And you can get details of any of these shows at guiltyfeminist.com. Please welcome to the stage the wonderful Jessica Reagan! So I'm going to talk a little bit about casting, which in the Venn diagram of my life has a huge overlap with representation. I've been quite fortunate in my career. I have been in a gender-fluid Henry V, and I have gotten to work with really amazing writers like Sam Bain and play amazing, nuanced parts. But what I realised is that I limit myself sometimes. It's not always external forces. I'm just going to tell you a little story. A couple of months ago, I was asked to audition for a short film. My agent forwarded on the email and said, oh, could you put yourself on tape for this? That's something we do as actors. Putting ourselves on tape basically means plying a friend with cake and wine to hold their iPhone while you desperately try to fashion a stand out of books and board games and somehow get yourself on camera to email, which always I end up bursting into tears because I'm bad at uploading and all this. So that's putting yourself on tape. It's great. It's great fun. It's great fun. Um, So so that was, oh, I'm going to put myself on tape. Like, just meet me. Just like meet me. I'm good in the room. Um, So the breakdown was, this is a two-hander, frumpy bridesmaid to beautiful successful bride and I just found myself just deflating a little bit because I thought oh here we go again I'm just the funny frumpy non-glamorous 
character actor, which there is nothing wrong with being, and they're often the most interesting, nuanced parts. But I just thought once, if just once someone could maybe see me as the bride, not the bridesmaid, this metaphor is getting a little intense. Um, <laughs> if, if maybe yeah. I, could, I could just, just maybe be considered for like, I don't know, the pretty girl, like once. Um, so I decided to go for a very long walk and look at the river and listen to some contemporary classical music on my Spotify. Um, and then eventually I was like, oh, time's ticking on. I really need to put myself on tape. So I marched back and I thought, okay, just, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Read the email again. We'd love if Jessica could read for both parts. <laughs> so now I had twice as many lines to learn in half the time. Nah. Now I got the part of the frumpy bridesmaid <laughs> and I was delighted. And it taught me a massive lesson because I thought, well, I did that to myself. I put myself in that box. My eyes found the non-glamorous words in that email. And I remember being on set with a wonderful production company who did it. And they were like, yeah, we just, we weren't sure which one to cast you as, you know, but you just did this little thing in your tape that we just thought, oh, that's very much that character. And it worked really well. And the girl who played the bride was brilliant. But again, so much was achieved with lighting and costume. And, you know, I look really creepy in some shots, you know, and I know I don't look creepy in real life. So a lot can be achieved that way. So my challenge, my challenge to you, it's a lot of laughing. Do you, do you think I... <laughs> Am I, am I creepy, you guys? Is this, is this, is this creepy? Uh, but I would say to you, bust out of your casting. If you think that, oh, this is my casting, I'm the kind of person who always does this, I'm the kind of person who never speaks up in meetings, I challenge you to speak up. Or if you're the person who's like, it's always me bringing up the issues, maybe try listening more. I'm the kind of person who never goes to the cinema by myself. I'm the kind of person who never does yoga, whatever it is. Maybe challenge yourself to break out of your casting because uh, that's my challenge for 2018. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Jess, you did a challenge this week. I sure did. What was that challenge? Well, it's a live challenge, everyone. It's very exciting. So I thought about when we were talking about doing this and I, I thought about times when I've put myself in boxes as as I discussed, and times when I felt external forces have put me in boxes. And I thought, oh, I'm going to challenge myself to write a monologue for a part that I would never be cast in. But that's sort of impossible to do because it's my brain. So I challenged a wonderful actress and writer I know, Karen Cogan, who is the playwright-in-residence at Mamo Theatre Company. Uh, her first play, the half of it, was nominated for five Dublin Theatre Awards. It won one first fortnight. Her second play has been shortlisted by the Verity Bargate, top six out of 1,200. So she miraculously agreed to write a monologue for me in 24 hours. Most people would tell you when they got that phone call to fuck off. Nah. Um, who do you think you are? And she just went, okay, I'm going to do it. So you're sight reading something you've never seen. That is, And it's something that your playwright friend believes you would never be cast as. Well, that she believes I could do but yet would not be in that box. So it wouldn't it, be in the mix. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be in the mix. Okay. I have, oh, oh, I can't see it. The stakes, see. the stakes oh, rest. No, 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 you can't oh see God. it. I'm going to... Thank you. It says here, Samantha Sharp, she can be fucking ferocious, a chic 44-year-old, just to be clear, Jess Regan is nowhere near I'm, 44. I'm, I would never be cast as... Uh, she's female. Her I accent would. is Chelsea, and she owns two Jeeps. The first time Jessica Regan's seen this. Jessica, take it away. This will be exposing. 
like, why are you so closed off? You're like an eagle. You love me. You're obsessed with me. Amanda? Nothing. Okay, cool. That's how it is. Cool. Cool. You hounded me to go out with you day one, did you not? Hounded. Let's be honest here. Let's have a moment of fucking clarity. You can be, honestly, a bit mawkish. You're a bit lovely. Everyone is just so worthy to you, aren't they? It's okay to be honest sometimes. I think things and don't say them all the time with you. I think I have a stress fracture in the, in, from my middle toe from scrunching it up so hard to stop myself from saying what I really think. <sighs> Your sister's baby is not sweet. <laughs> smells of eggs <laughs> and he's completely asymmetrical so I spent your whole birthday dinner thinking about your paws I stared at the paws on your chin for the whole meal you thought I was giving you the come on but I wasn't we fucked anyway I know but the precursor was me thinking you look like a coral or a, a, a mollusk with your open repetitive paws your chin is upsetting so I find it off-putting how often you find people sweet when they're actually creepy like the woman on the train remember with the bear in clothes her hair was matted and she had red gloves with bells. Fucking bells, like a budget elf, a disappointing Christmas woman in June. And she had so many bags. Why do the odd people always have so many bags? Where are they going? What are they carrying? Sausages? Dead fish? What? She picked up the bear and held his face against the window like a hostage. Look! She kept saying, Look! Look! And you were like, oh my god, that's beautiful, isn't it? Like, I said, yes, God, so vulnerable. And she said, look, look. And you, oh, they're so close. Her, look, look. I wanted to howl. He is looking, you fucking Lula. <laughs> but I held it in. I sat violently still next to you. You were probably planning a shit screenplay about the poignant woman and her grubby bear in your head. Christ, why did you think it was lovely when it was sad? Pathetic. Like seeing her tongue or her fanny, something I didn't ask to see. She made my skin prickle and my bum tighten and my jaw angry and my ears itch. And I wanted her, honestly, I wanted her to just have a stroke and be quiet. And then, ultimately, gone. Her and the fucking bear. So, yes, maybe we are different people, Amanda. Call me back when you get this, okay? That was fantastic. She wasn't a very nice person, was she? But I'm usually cast as, oh, no, don't mind me. I'm sure, how are you doing? Oh, would you like a cup of tea? So that was, uh, I've never felt more alive, Karen Cogan. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for writing that. That was amazing. And oh, was that writer in? She's up there. Hello. Hi. Woo! Thank you for writing that. Unbelievably brilliantly sight read. That was like an audition, wasn't it, really? Yeah. I mean, Sam. Yeah, I, think, I think she's got the part. <laughs> yeah. It's great seeing you play someone so different. Yeah, and obviously, you've never that's, seen that. that's acting, like pretending. Yeah. But it's great to see you play someone that, as you say, you wouldn't normally expect. And the accent was brilliant. Oh, well, that three years at RADA, you know, my parents will be glad to hear that. Um, but Sam gave me my very first job. So you've known me all these years, you know, and you've given me always opportunities at very critical junctures. So I'm really glad you saw that. That's cool. What is interesting about it is that I've never, ever seen you do a part like that before. But that's presumably why actors want to act, so they can be people that they aren't. And that character is clearly a really unpleasant person. As you say, you normally get to play often slightly low-status Irish people. Yes, um, but I'm really going to shake it up with the Irish maid I'm playing in the new year, so <laughs> smashing that ceiling. No, uh, look. Are you, I, yeah, you're in the West End in Long Day's Journey Into Night, I and am. you are in fact playing an Irish servant. I am, but she's actually quite high status. She, she has is. no idea she's a servant, so it's really fun to play. I, she bosses everyone around. I saw her in Bristol, and I'm glad she's coming to the West End. You must all see that. So I wanted to know more about this, and I had seen Phoebe Waller-Bridge on the BAFTAs, and she had a ring like this. And it said, equal representation for actresses, 50-50. And this is an initiative to get commitment from the major television networks and other industry movers and shakers to make the representation of human beings on the screen gender balanced. And to talk about this, please welcome to the stage the wonderful Kate Phillips. So Kate, you're from 50-50. I am, yes. It was co-founded by Polly Kemp and uh, Elizabeth Barrington in 2015. Um, And since then, it's sort of picked up momentum and the community has grown. And it's just a bunch of men and women doing their best to affect change, really, in the industry. And there are men advocating for it. I saw James Nesbitt talking about it. James Nesbitt was, uh, spoke about it at the BAFTAs when he was presenting the award for Best Actress, I think. So he was wearing our badge. Yeah, there's men. The thing is, it's, I, the, it, it, it's, it's not... There's always yeah, men. Yeah, there are always... There's always the odd man. Always men. Yeah. It's not about driving a male narrative away. That's the thing. It's about having an equal representation of men and women, which I think is something that men can be excited about because that's what their lives are about too. So, you know... Well, I think it's so important, as you said on this podcast before, Deborah, is that you can't be what you can't see. And that's why representation is so important. It's not like a niche arts pursuit. It's, it's for all of us. Um, and we need to see, little girls need to be sitting at home watching TV, watching female doctors and female engineers and female software mm. developers. Yes, no, little boys too, but they already get to see that. Oh, I see. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry, that was an accurate heckle. Um, <laughs> but also... Um, <laughs> also female idiots, not just female scientists. Mm. Like, comedy mm. is also great to see women being arrogant. Well, you've got that covered. And <laughs> well, you know what I mean? No, like, you're right. When you look yeah. at Ab Fab or the great yeah. female comic characters, it's such a wonderful thing, isn't it, to see women behaving badly and being stupid and arrogant and doing all the things they're not supposed to do. Yes, exactly, because also that gives us permission to be transgressive. And also, those are often the more interesting parts, as we were talking about before. You don't just want to play a woman standing in the corner going, you boys, they kill the story. If everyone in Modern Family listened to Claire, there'd be no plot. That's 
and I know she finds it difficult and I've heard her interviewed and go, well, I try and find a way that she thinks that she's making more fun and, you know, and it's true. Often, if you listen to the woman in the story, the plot would die. How are you going to do this, Kate, at uh, 50-50 ERA? What's the plan to get this commitment? Do you know? Uh, (laughs) I know a little bit. Um, Well, the plan is to excite the industry, create an energy for change in the industry. So that means getting the ears of the top key players of the industry. And that means the commissioners, the writers, production companies. These are the people that can really change things. And I know you're talking about casting directors, and they're the ones that can influence that. But I ultimately... I mean, I can't always be speaking for ERA, but for myself, I think it comes from the writing. And firstly, we need to get many more female writers engaged. And because perhaps there's an argument to say that they write more complicated, more complex, sophisticated narratives for women, but I think also it needs to be an equal representation behind the scenes as well. People on the boards, people in the creative side of things, that needs to be an equal balance too, because that energy trickles down. And what can we do to help ERA 50-50? A, you can spread the word. You can tell people about it. You can buy our badges. Our rings will be on sale soon. Post on Instagram. Tell people that this needs to happen. Firstly, we're raising money and uh, raising awareness towards an event in February where we're trying to get those people in a room so we can get them to commit to an equal 50-50 gender balance. So you're telling them it's a party and when they get there, you're going to make them commit to something. Close, shut the doors. Exactly. Put your makeup on, hope your ex turns up. Yeah, that's exactly how we're going to pitch it. Absolutely. (laughs) Sam, are you interested in the 50-50 initiative? I've I've invited you to a party and now I'm wanting a commitment, I think. Yes. (laughs) Do I have to sign something? Yeah, now. Okay. In, in blood? In Mincy's blood. Fine. The best kind of blood. Right? The best kind of blood. Uh, yeah. Um, so, the website is what? The website is equalrepresentationforactresses.co.uk. Brilliant. And you're in The Crown and also in Peaky Blinders. You're currently in Peaky Blinders? Yep. Yep. Those are both high-quality dramas. Are there more quality representations of women? Are there more opportunities for women? I've been lucky enough to work in the last couple of years, but I have been doing mostly period dramas. And in the period, in the sort of before uh, the contemporary time, um, (laughs) um, apparently, you know, women, they're not sort of the lead players in history. Well, the crown... Well, of course, it's we're talking about the Queen. female-led, yeah, isn't so, it? So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just talking out of my ass. But, um, no, 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 not at all. No, no, but I'm you, just saying, the crown, the, is, a the, the crown is a really perfect a example of that. A period piece that does um, address... Absolutely. And, I mean, and, it addresses a very, very privileged woman, obviously, but <laughs> the most privileged woman in this country, yes. probably. But still, it is interesting to see what she came up against, the sexism that she came up against, and that's really what it was yeah. about, that they were like, you're not really going to get this because you're a woman and you're not a very well-educated woman, I and think, how she coped with it. Well, yeah, but the character that I played in The Crown was Churchill's secretary, and I think what Peter Morgan did is that the character I played was the only person that wasn't a real character. So they amalgamated lots of women who worked for Churchill and made it into this one character so that she had more material they gave her a bit more oomph, which I think was really exciting. And those women who work for him were great women. Mm. They were very intelligent, inspired women. Yeah, I know from my friends who are people of colour who are actors, they often say, oh yeah, there were no black people in the past if you look at period drama. We Mm. just didn't, we just weren't there. (laughs) 
Bain, do you have anything to plug? Not really, apart from Ill Behaviour, which is on Showtime if you're in America at the moment on Monday nights. Great. And can we see it anywhere here? Can we buy it for Christmas? Uh, I think it might be on DVD, but I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> Plug fail. I mean, I mean, your people will be so pleased. Um, <laughs> Ill Behaviour, I'm sure it's on DVD or you can download it somewhere. Uh, it's a brilliant show. It stars Jessica Regan, woohoo, and Lizzie Kaplan, and some boys. Um, <laughs> Jessica Regan, what have you got to plug? I would just like to plug the incredible writer who took this challenge on. Can we just one more round of applause for Karen Cogan? Look out for her. Look out for this woman. It's about to go off in 2018. You'll be seeing more of her. And also you can see Jessica Regan in the fabulous new Irish sitcom by one of our previous Guilty Feminist guests and host, Alison Spittle, true legend. And that show is called? It's called Nowhere Fast. And when my mother watched it, she said... There's so many women in it. So yes. well done, Alison. Absolutely brilliant sitcom by Alison Spittle with so many women in it. And you can also see uh, Jess in Long Day's Journey Into Night, which goes into the West End Ooh. and then to New York and Los Angeles. Uh, Kate Phillips, have you got anything to plug? If you're not watching Peaky Blinders, then do. Uh, you can catch it on Netflix and on uh, iPlayer. And also there's a film that I made earlier this year with Kira Knightley called The Aftermath, which will be coming out in the new year. I'm Deborah Francis-White, and please listen to Global Pillage at globalpillage.net. And if you would like to donate to the podcast, then download our negotiation special. It's a £5 episode. That's the way that you can donate to the podcast. Jess, I've got another monologue for you to sight read. Working for free tonight. Um, <clears throat> she is being paid, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> That's got really awkward. I I am. That's just ruined that joke, Deborah. No, Um, we. I'm kidding. We we don't pay any of the Irish ones. That's. (laughs) Yeah. Because we're being so tricksy with the whole Brexit thing, we don't deserve it. (laughs) Um, Okay. uh, So, shall I just crack into it? (laughs) Listen, you don't want the wall. We want the wall. We want to. (laughs) We want to make the United Kingdom great again. Sure. Yeah. Um, Good luck. Uh, You idiots! It's not the United Kingdom there, though, is it? It's United Kingdom and the British Isles or something. I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to go back to what it was. Kate quickly wants to do another plug. I just thought it was important that the reason why I'm here tonight is that I should be plugging (laughs) E-R-A. I didn't want to say. Not myself. I'm really not here for myself. I'm here for E-R-A, Equal Representation for Actresses. And now you can find them on Twitter, ER, at, at ERA50 underscore 50, Instagram at ERA50 underscore 50. Go to our website, buy our badges, buy our bags, help us make that difference because we can ignite that change in the industry. We're going to do it for you. Support us. Thank you. Just this bit? Yep. Okay. To keep track of everything we're up to, you can follow Guilt Femme Pod on Twitter. Hold on, hold on, Jess. What? I would like you to do this in the style of something you've never done before. <laughs> I want this to be like a real hard New Yorker, a guy called Chuck who lives in New York. Okay. And I want him to be super angry about this, and he thinks he's better than everyone in this room. In fact, Chuck's a bit of a misogynist, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> he doesn't want to do this. To keep track of everything these gals are up to, you can follow Guilt Femme Pod on Twitter or The Guilty Feminist on Instagram. There's also a Facebook page you can like and a mailing list you can sign up to because they like to yap on. And if you like what you hear, please go to what we're now supposed to call Apple Podcasts. 
and rate, review and subscribe, and else other people discover these women. <laughs> You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Jessica Regan, and our very special guests, Sam Bain and Kate Phillips. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp, the music was by Mark Hodge. The producer was Tom Slinsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Jacob, Sally, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. exciting is you got one of those two parts you went up for both of them you weren't able to get both of them but very exciting oh I don't think no they've turned you off now wow I mean yeah it's yeah when you can't even get a mic turned on in a feminist podcast it's concerning that's a lack of representation right there um exactly exactly oh is something going wrong with the mics it's fine. Problem solved. Thanks, We're boys. We're back on. <laughs> See you. Hello, I'm John Dorney. And I'm Jessica Regan. And I'm Tom Selinski. And we've just started a new podcast called Best Pick. We're all writers and actors of one sort or another, and we're starting a podcast to explore all the Academy Award Best Picture winners in no particular order. We're going to put all 89 winning movies in a hat, and for each episode, we'll pick one out at random. Then we'll discuss it, watch it, review it, and at the end of the show, we'll pick out the movie for next time. New episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 12 noon UK time. And you can find them all at bestpickpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts.